You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to the Faith Roots Podcast. And we're talking about the mystery of the church. You know, the church was not clearly understood before it came into existence. Even when it did come into existence, it was many years before the full revelation of what the church was came to be known. And so uh, I want to talk to you about this thing that God is doing in the church called the rapture, the catching away of the church. And so I'm going to turn you to what the Apostle Peter had to say. Now most of our writing on this has been from the Apostle Paul. He's the one who fully revealed this idea of the catching away of the saints. Peter sheds some light on it as well. And because Peter's mission was primarily to Jewish believers, he really used both Testaments to talk about this. He talked about the Old Testament as well as the New. Most of Paul's writings, even though he supports it with the Old Testament, most of it is a New Testament idea. So let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of remind, reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. I want to stop here and explain this. Um, first of all, who did Peter write to? Well, he wrote to the Diaspora, which is the name of the Jews that were scattered throughout the Roman world. And uh, they had been scattered not only, uh, this isn't talking about the scattering that came after the fall of the temple. That hadn't happened yet, uh, uh, the temple destruction in 70 AD. This was the earlier dispersion, the one that came by the Assyrians to the northern kingdom of Israel and also to the people of Judah uh, because of Babylon. Those were Jews who never came home. They never came back. They didn't live in the land during the time of Christ. They didn't live there during the time of the Maccabees. They were Jews who stayed scattered. And so they had these communities all over the Roman world, and Peter had a ministry to them. He went out and would preach to them. Yes, Peter was used to open the door of the gospel to Gentiles, but his primary ministry and focus was to Jewish people. So he wrote to the strangers scattered. He said, I want to remind you of what the holy prophets have said. Now that's not written to a Gentile because the Gentiles wouldn't have known anything about what the holy prophets have said. So when Peter says, I want to remind you of what the holy prophets had said, he's talking about the Old Testament and his audience would know the scriptures of the Old Testament. That's one thing the Jews were great at. They were great at memorizing scripture and knowing where things were. And he said, also, I want to remind you what we who are New Testament apostles have also said. Now, he goes on to say, knowing this first, verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old 
and the earth standing out of the water and in the water by, the, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now are preserved by the same word and are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Now this is what Peter says. He says, when the time of the Lord's return comes, there will be scoffers, loads of scoffers. Have you ever seen a counterfeit $7 bill? No. $3 bill? No. There are counterfeit hundreds, counterfeit twenties, but not counterfeit threes and not counterfeit sevens. Why is that? Because we don't have real $3 bills or real $7 bills. The counterfeits are only made of those things that are real. So if scoffers are mocking, they are mocking something that is real, that's genuine. They don't mock things that don't exist. They mock things that do exist. They mock things that are real. And they are mocking the coming of the Lord. One sure way to know that something may be true is this. It will have its detractors. It will be controversial. It won't be an issue that everybody agrees on. There will be a great deal of division about it. And you have to say that about this idea of the Lord coming back for His church. There is a lot of division about this. And there are scoffers who say it's not going to happen and out there on the extreme side of the scoffer community, they say all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, Peter points this out, and this is really quite amazing because what Peter is doing here is he is identifying a doctrine that's very prominent today in the scientific world, and it's called uniformitarianism meaning that the wear and tear of the elements on the earth is pretty much happening at the same pace today that it happened several thousand years ago or perhaps millions of years ago. And the reason that they want to point to millions and millions of years ago for certain things to happen is because they don't think it could have happened in a very sudden way, that things had to happen over a long, long period of time, and the conditions of erosion and decay, all those things happened at the same rate over the millennia. That's called uniformitarianism. And here's Peter 2,000 years ago telling us that will be the basis of the objection of the Lord's return uh, by many, many people. They will say, uh, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. But he goes on to say, but wait a minute. They forget the flood of Noah, which there is evidence for. This is something that I found really interesting. Some years ago, the scientific community, not everybody, but some, came out and suggested that there was a universal flood on Mars. Now, we have pretty good telescopes, and, and, and they look for traces of water on the surface of Mars, and I'm not saying there isn't any. I'm sure there probably is some. Uh, but there certainly isn't a, a, a big body of water on Mars. But yet, there were scientists who actually came out and said that they believed there was a universal flood on Mars. But the same people, and this is the irony, would mock the idea that there was a universal flood on Earth when three-quarters of the Earth's surface is covered by water. 
It's interesting, isn't it, that they would mock the idea of a flood here with in a planet that has so much water. So there's this scoffing community, and the reason they scoff is because they believe in uniformitarianism. Now let's keep going. Here's what Peter said. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that one thing with the Lord or one day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. That's uh, Psalm 90 and verse 4. He quotes that uh, from Psalm uh, 90 and verse 4, and, and he makes it a little different. He said, one day is with the Lord is a thousand years, a thousand years is, one, is as one day. He says it a little differently in the Psalm 90 and verse 4, but he's saying God's days are a thousand years long. And he is saying that and linking that to the coming of the Lord. So he's saying if it seems like it's a long time since the Lord uh, has returned, uh, he hadn't come yet, he promised to return, but it seems like a long time, he's saying that the reason is because God's days are a thousand years long. And he said God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's waiting for people all over the world to have every opportunity to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter's Jewish listeners would have been reminded of a prophetic word by one of their prophets. And keep in mind, Peter did say that I want to remind you of what the holy prophets have said. So I'm going to turn you back to one of the holy prophets whose name is Hosea. Listen to what he said concerning the coming of the Lord. This is Hosea chapter 5 verse 14. For I will be like a lion to Ephraim. Who is Ephraim? The ten northern tribes of Israel had a nickname when they split away from Judah. They were called Ephraim. I will be like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. So all twelve tribes would be affected by this lion. I, even I, will tear them and go away. I will take them away and none shall rescue I will return again to my place till they acknowledge their offense. Then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Who is it? It's Jesus. And he said, I will tear the nation of Israel. And he did. He tore it with his preaching and divided the country. He said himself, think not that I come to bring peace, I come to bring a sword. And, and the, the idea of Jesus being Messiah was a real dividing point in the first century. And by the way, a lot of people don't realize this, there were thousands and thousands of Jewish people who did believe that Jesus was Messiah. There were rulers who did not, because to believe that Jesus was Messiah would be to lose grip on their temporal power. They didn't want to give that up. And power is a funny thing. People will do all kinds of things to hold on to it. We know that this is the Lord who did the tearing because listen to the next verse. It's in the next chapter, but it's still the same thought. It's Hosea 6.1, Come and let us return to the Lord. For He has torn and He will heal us. Meaning that the same one who was there when the nation was torn will be the one who puts the nation back together. He has stricken, but He will bind us up. When? After two days, He will revive us. On the third day, He will raise us up that we may live in His sight. So this is Hosea saying that the Lord will divide them, scatter them, bring them back. He will leave and return, but from the time of His leaving to the time of His return is two days. 
Peter interprets what are the two days. They're a thousand years long. That's 2,000 years. In the third day, in the third millennium, he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. Now listen to this. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and former rain to the earth. Now there are three things there that I want you to see. First of all, it says that the Lord comes two times. His going forth is fixed and he comes like the rain. He comes like the latter rain and the former rain or the former rain, the latter rain. He comes two times. And when the Bible says his going forth is fixed as the morning or established as the morning, ask yourself this question. Is sunrise tomorrow morning set? You better bet it is. And the coming of the Lord is a set time in the mind of God. Somebody said, but I thought that God couldn't come, Jesus couldn't come until everybody on earth has heard this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world for witness. Oh, it will. But God already knows the time when that happens. And He already has set the time. We don't know it. Apparently Christ doesn't know it. If he didn't know it when he was on the earth. He may know it now, but, but only the Father is the one who releases him to come and to catch away his church. So what we see here, he comes in seasons where there are rains. That's the third thing I wanted you to get. He has two comings. His coming is fixed, but when he comes, he comes with rains. Rains are symbolic of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Were there miracles? Was there a mighty manifestation of God when Jesus came the first time? The answer is yes. That's called the former rain, the early rain. But he also comes with the latter rain. Now in Israel they had two rainy seasons. One was in the fall of the year. That was a small amount of rain, but it was enough to plant the crops. Then there was a long dry spell over the winter, but in the spring the heavy rains came. That's when the harvest was the greatest. And that is a picture of the last days. I believe that before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ that there will be a harvest unlike the world has ever seen. I believe the church will be like Israel, leaving Egypt. We will go out with a high hand. We will go out with power. When we leave, it won't be whimpering. It won't be in defeat. It won't be just a small group of people struggling to hang on, holding the fort till Jesus comes to rescue. We will go out in a blaze of great glory. And when we are gone, it will be noticed. People will be rushing to find out what happened to us. That in itself will cause millions of people to come to faith. Well, that's all the time I have for today, but we're still not done. I'll see you tomorrow. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.